This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg What's unique about the part of Torah which is Halacha? explains that the halacha, this is the will, the will of Hashem. Torah is the wisdom. Just like within a person, wisdom is almost like a, a rationalization, an explanation for the will. We know will is, is much deeper than just the intellect. Many times a person, people, your friends are trying to dissuade you from doing something and you really want to do it. You know, you're stubborn about it. And I really want to do it. And all the reasons in the world simply will not sway you, will not affect you one way or the other. Because the reason that you want, the, uh, the willpower is much deeper than reason. Reason doesn't, can't touch the will. It's much deeper than than. Reason. The reasoning is just like a, a coding, a nice, uh, a nice decoration. It's a decoration. It's an irrationalization. It's an explanation. Since I want this, I'm going to find reasons why I want it. But, what, but where does it originate? It originates with the reason. You know, as we find in the Torah, that we find the same reasoning for two opposite conclusions. Right in the beginning of Genesis. The first parsha, Hashem says He wants to destroy the world. Why? Because man is created with an evil inclination, created, and therefore I want to destroy the world. The next Torah portion, God swears He'll never destroy the world, and He makes a covenant for the same reason, because man was created with a bo- was born with an evil inclination. So the same reason is a reason for two opposite conclusions. So obviously, the reason. It's just like a dressing. It's a, it's a rationalization, almost like an excuse to explain. But it doesn't start with reason. It, co- it comes from a much deeper place. It starts with will. Willpower cannot be swayed by reason. It's much more powerful than reason. Of course, there is, it has its own reason, but it's a deeper reason. What's the reason behind the willpower? That's the pleasure, because it gives me pleasure. And again, that's, that's deeper than the reason. And that's why one person is liberal-minded and the other person is conservative-minded. Not that one is right and one is wrong, but because your pleasure and your soul is, is, you have a liberal soul, and that's your will and that's your pleasure, so therefore your mind thinks in those terms. You always see the cup is half, uh, half, uh, half full. A person who's conservative-minded, and that's his pleasure and that's his will, he sees the cup is half empty. Not one is right as one is wrong. You're looking at two different realities, or you're looking, you're looking at reality in two different ways because you enjoy this way of thinking. So it's rooted in a place that's deeper than the intellect. It's rooted in the will and the pleasure, which is much more personal. That's your soul. The soul of a person is your will and your pleasure. That's you. The, uh, the intellect is almost like a dressing, a decoration. It's, 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 it's outer outer coding that explains the will, explains the pleasure. But it's, this is personal. Will is personal. But the difference between will and pleasure is that will, as he's going to explain now, will is outward. It's directed towards the outside. I want something I want this object, I want something or someone, I want something outside of myself. The, the Hebrew for ratzon, for will, is ratzon. Ratzon, if you turn the letters around, is the tzinor. Tzinor is like a pipe. 
In other words, I'm directing myself, I'm turning in this direction. I want it. Or I want this. So I am turning towards something outside of me and my soul wants this. I want to connect with this. I want to do this. I want to... So I'm directing myself towards the outside. Versus pleasure. Pleasure is internal. I enjoy. It gives me pleasure. It's not external. It's very deep, very intimate, very private, very personal. It's intimate. It's pleasure. So will is directed outside. Okay, that's what Dr. Rebbe now goes on to explain the second paragraph on page 213. Dr. Rebbe now goes on to explain that in addition to this function of mitzvah, as garments for the soul, they also serve to unite the sublime spiritual level of Tessa with the physical objects with which the commandments are performed. As such, they resemble pillars that connect the highest part of a house with the lowest. Now, the supernal will is termed and referred to by the Kabbalists as Keser Elyon, the Supreme Crown. In it, there are 620 pillars of light, 620 being the numerical equivalent of the Hebrew word Keser. That is, by way of analogy, just as in a large brick house, there are pillars standing in the ground and their apex is connected with the ceiling, thereby connecting the lowest part of the house with the highest, Precisely so, metaphorically speaking, the supernal Kesar transcends the level of Kachma, which is the first and highest of the inner sphero. The word Kesar is related to Patera, capital, for it surrounds and encompasses over the brains in the head, i.e. the faculties of Chabad, the faculties of Kachma, Bina, and Dat. This supernal will is vested in the 613 commandments of the Torah, and the seven precepts of the sages, practically all of which are operative commandments, i.e. their performance involves physical action, which represents the lower or corporeal aspect of the lowest of the four spiritual worlds, the world of Asiya, the world of action. So Chabad, this is the, uh, the mind, the brain. The Keter is the crown that's, that's above the uh, crown rests on your head. It's above your head. It's beyond your head. It's superior to the brain. Because it represents the will, which is you, the person, the soul. And that transcends the intellectual capacity of the soul, which is finite, defined, limited. But the will, it's all of you. When you care about something, and you want something, which part of you wants it? All of you. Every part of you. It's not compartmentalized. The brain is compartmentalized. You have the right brain, the creative brain, and the left brain, and the limbic brain, and you have the heart, and you have every part of you, the eyes, the ears, every part of you is limited. Clearly defined. Will is really undefined. It's, it's, it's all-encompassing, like a crown. It's all-encompassing. It's me. You know, where is the person? Where is the person at? It says, wherever a person's thoughts are, wherever a person's will is, that's where you are at. Wherever you want, wherever your will is, that's where you are at. You can have a student who's sitting in the classroom, but he's looking out the window. <laughs> he's physically sitting here, but he's not here. He would rather be somewhere else. So if you'd rather be somewhere else, you are somewhere else. You're not here. You can have a student who can't afford the tuition. He's, he's in the outside, but he's looking in. He can't. Where is he at? He is there. He is in. Because that's, where he, that's what he cares about. That's what he wants. So he says, whatever you desire, whatever you care about, whatever you want, that's you. That's all encompassing. And it encompasses every part of you. As we see in the mitzvot. The mitzvot, Hashem desires, but it's all encompassing. It, 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 it also encompasses, most of the mitzvot are action-oriented. So it encompasses the physical object with which you're doing the mitzvah, the leather hide that you're writing the Torah and you're, you're, you're fulfilling the mitzvah of mezuzah and all the mitzvot. So the willpower is all-encompassing. And the lowest, connecting the lowest to the highest. So it's like a crown, it's like a circle. 
circle, there's no beginning, there's no middle, there's no end. It's, 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 like, it's like infinite. So from the highest, it transcends the intellect, and it reaches all the way down to the lowest, to the action, to the physical, the tangible. And it's all connected. It connects the highest to the lowest. With willpower, this is what I care, this is what I want, I connect with the physical. But the greater something is, the lower it can reach. Just like within intellect itself. Just like we find within the faculties within a person. With eyesight, I can see the physical. With my ears, I can only hear the sound waves. Just spiritual. I can't see sound waves. My ear is too delicate. It can't pick up physical. It can only pick up something spiritual. The eye can see something physical. The greater the teacher, he can communicate and reach even the simplest student. Einstein can talk to a five-year-old child. The highfalutin professor in Columbia University, he can only talk in such fancy language nobody understands him. He himself barely understands what he's talking about. But the true genius can talk clear, simple to the five-year-old child. Because he's a master, the true master. The deeper something is, the more far-reaching it is. The greater the light, the light reaches even farther. A small light only reaches, barely reaches its own. Intense light reaches very, very, very far. So that's within the faculties itself. But the willpower, willpower is all-encompassing. Willpower is the crown. Willpower is... It's all-encompassing that it reaches from the highest, the soul, and the entire soul. This is the soul directing itself and channeling itself and connecting. And it connects to the most external, to the physical, the touch, sense of touch, action. That's the power of the mitzvah. So in that sense, the mitzvah is much greater than the Torah. The Torah is the understanding. So when you understand, understanding is limited. Willpower, however, can reach all the way and can encompass and connect the physical, the leather hide, the lulav and the esrog and the physical to Hashem, to touch the divine, to, to something godly. While the Torah is all cerebral, it's mental, it's learning, it's studying, it's, it's limited. The willpower is all-encompassing. It's Hashem Himself, it's all-encompassing, it can reach so far. So in that sense, the mitzvah is superior to the Torah. Because it seems to be a contradiction. Some places it seems to, the Talmud seems to tell us that the Torah is greater than the mitzvah. If a person has an opportunity to study Torah, and like Rabbi Shimon Bayechayu studied Torah, he did not interrupt the studying of Torah, even to do a mitzvah. If it's a mitzvah that someone else can do for him, if it's a mitzvah that no one else can do for him, then he would stop, interrupt, and do the mitzvah. But if someone else could do the mitzvah for him, he would, wouldn't interrupt, because Torah is the greatest. There's nothing greater than Torah. On the other hand, if, if it's a mitzvah that no one else can do for him, you interrupt the Torah and you do the mitzvah. You don't say, I'm busy, I'm busy studying Torah, which happens to be a mitzvah as well, and therefore I'm exempt from all other mitzvahs. You don't say that. Because the mitzvah, there's nothing like the mitzvah itself. The mitzvahs are greater. And if you just study Torah and you don't do mitzvah, your whole Torah is worthless. So on one hand, Torah, mitzvah is greater. On one hand, Torah is greater. So which one is it? So here he's explaining that the mitzvah, which is the will of Hashem, the mitzvah is the will of Hashem. Torah is the mind of Hashem. So just like within the human analogy, the mind is compartmentalized and limited in comparison to the will. A person's will is all-encompassing, it's personal, it's your soul, it's you. While the intellect is a slice, a piece, uh, an expression of me, but it's not, you don't touch the whole me. It's an idea, it's a concept, it's a dressing, it's a rationalization, it's a, 
it's a, it's a nice uh, cover, but it's not really the essence of me. The essence, my essence is expressed in my will. That comes from deep inside of me. That's me. That's who I am. You want to know who I am? The things that I care about and the things that really matter to me and the things that I really want. That's who I am. That's me. That's my whole self. That's will. So Hashem says, you want to connect with me? You want to know who I am? My mitzvah. Isn't studying Torah a fundamental mitzvah? Yeah, but we'll get to that in a minute. What's the advantage of studying Torah? But in comparison to the mitzvah and the Torah, mitzvah, it's me. The Rebbe once, uh, before he became Rebbe, used to correspond with this individual. They had many letters back and forth. The Rebbe became Rebbe. And the Rebbe would stop, stop like writing personal correspondence, personal letters to this individual. Instead, the Rebbe would publish his, uh, before the holidays, we'd write a letter to the Jewish people about the holiday and with directives, and he would send them these letters. And the person felt very insulted. Till now, he had like a personal, personal, private relationship going with the Rebbe, and all of a sudden here, he's getting these letters that are mass uh, to everyone, every Jew in the world, and nothing personal. So he wrote to the, he was very, you know, he felt very comfortable enough to Tell the Rebbe, you know, what's going on here? We had, I thought we had a personal relationship. Well, we, now we, we stopped all correspondence. So the Rebbe answered. He says, I thought you're my friend. I thought you really cared what I really am interested in. You want to have a personal fine? I'll write that. <laughs> well, you want to get close to Hashem? You want to connect with Hashem? You want to know what Hashem is interested in? It's the mitzvot. This is the keter. 620, which are the 613 mitzvot and the seven, seven rabbinic mitzvot. He said, this is me. You want to connect with me? What are you telling me? Oh, I want religion. I want to meditate and I want to sing songs and I want to write poetry and I want to, I want to go on a mountaintop and I want to scuba. Shem said, listen, you, you want to connect with me? You want to know what I'm all about? You want to know what I care about? You want to know what I want? This is me. Oh, you don't want to put on tefillin. You don't want to light candles. You don't want to eat the matzah, but you want to meditate and reflect. I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? You want me or you want, oh, but it's so impersonal, 613 mitzvot, it's the code of Jewish law, every Jew is responsible, it's so, you know, I want. This is me, this is who I am, this is what I want, this is what I care about. I care about the tefillin, I care about the code of Jewish law, the 613 mitzvah, you want to connect with me? This is it. So a mitzvah is all-encompassing. A mitzvah is personal. A mitzvah is Hashem. And it reaches into every part of us, even into the physical and the tangible and the action. It's action-oriented. That's the mitzvah. That's the power of a mitzvah. The power of Torah is and in some ways the rabbis say that Torah is superior to the mitzvah is that Torah is internal when you understand something when you learn something and you comprehend it's very, it becomes you internalize it it becomes part of you like you digest food, it becomes part of your blood, it becomes an inseparable part of you. When you understand something, it becomes you. Mitzvot, when you do what Hashem asks you to do, it's something that's outside of you. It's like a garment, something that you, you put on, it's something that you do, you obey, you submit, you subject yourself, you, you connect, but it's something external. It's not me, I'm obeying. And again, the point, the point, so the point of a mitzvah is, if this is the will of Hashem, this is what I, Hashem cares about, does it really matter which mitzvah? All the mitzvahs share this quality in common. This is Hashem's will. Why is it important? Because Hashem cares about it. Hashem cares about the tefillin, and He cares about all 613 mitzvahs. It doesn't matter, this mitzvah, the other mitzvah. It's Hashem's will. This is Hashem. This is how I connect with Hashem. So there's no differentiation. 
it's all the same. A minor mitzvah, a major mitzvah, this mitzvah, the other mitzvah, a chok, a mishpat, an edith, it doesn't really matter. This is, this is Hashem's will. If this is the best ideal way to do it, this is the ideal way to do it, or this is what Hashem wants, it's, this is why I obey, and this is how I connect with Hashem. But there is a separation. Will projects outwardly. Hashem wants me to do the mitzvah. He wants me to take a physical object and do the mitzvah. So there is that separation. There's Hashem and there's me and we're connected. I'm being touched by the divine. But there's a separation. When you study Torah, your mind becomes one with the mind of Hashem. You become one with Hashem. There's an intimacy. You become one with Hashem's mind. It's it's internal. The willpower is like the crown. It's above the head. It transcends the head. But it's above my head also. It's not me. It sits on top of my head. The brain is internal. It's inside the skull. It's me. It's personal. It's intimate. That's the advantage of Torah. And that's why, like we learned the other week, that the, the, uh, what's behind the intellect? The pleasure. When you understand something, and you understand it very well, you feel a tremendous sense of pleasure. Internally, you feel a tremendous sense of pleasure. Because the intellect is, is tuned in with the pleasure. Because pleasure is also very internal. It's very personal. And based on your pleasure, that's how your mind thinks. And that's how your mind digests and assimilates and understands things based on your soul, on your, on your pleasure. So intellect is very much tuned in with the pleasure. So too, when you study the Torah, you're tuning in to the pleasure of Hashem, which is the reason behind the will of Hashem. But that's very personal and intimate. So you're connecting with Hashem in a very deep, in a very profound way. That's why we need both. We need the mitzvah. Without the mitzvah, we have nothing. Where then when you study Torah and you study the reason behind the mitzvah, and in that reason, you will find the pleasure, which is the reason behind the will. So when you study Torah, and especially when you study the halacha of Torah, specifically when you study halacha, you're studying the will of Hashem, and in that studying, in that learning and studying the will of Hashem, you're also connecting with the pleasure of Hashem. So that's why studying Torah is special, but what's super special is studying Halach. Within the studying of Torah itself, there's nothing comparing to compare, there's nothing that compares to the studying of Halach, studying the will of Hashem. So then have the best of both worlds. I'm learning, I'm internalizing. What am I internalizing? The will the transcendent will of Hashem, and the pleasure that's motivating that will, which is found in the studying of the halach. And that's why the Alter Rebbe practiced what he preached. Alter Rebbe was the author of the Shulchan Aruch. He wrote the Shulchan Aruch Aram. Halacha was so central to the identity and the essence of who the Alter Rebbe was. Just like he was revolutionary in the Tanya, he was revolutionary in his code of Jewish law, the Shulchan Aruch of the Alter Rebbe. And here he's explaining what's so special about studying the halacha and studying, because this is, it's not like studying the rest of the Torah. There's something unique about studying halacha. You're studying, you're internalizing, but what are you studying, what are you internalizing? The transcendent will of Hashem, which what's contained in that transcendent will of Hashem is contained the pleasure of Hashem that motivates that will. And that's found in the studying of halacha. 
So when you finish learning this letter, it lights a fire. You want to grab the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch and you want to, and Shulchan Aruch in general, the Code of Jewish Law, and make that a part of your life. Make sure, as he starts out the letter, every single day of your life, you just study halacha, and who, whoever studies halacha every day of his life is guaranteed that they're ben oilam haba, that they will have a shir in the world to come when the pleasure of Hashem, the infinite pleasure of Hashem will be revealed to them because they studied that part of the Torah, specifically the Mishnah, the Halach. So after learning this letter, you're really motivated to make the study of Halach a daily part of your, of your life, of your schedule. So if you want to understand what Alter Rebbe, what, what motivated Alter Rebbe, you have to learn this, this letter. You learn this letter, you, get, you start understanding a little the fire behind the code of Jewish law and the excitement and the, how special it is. And even those commandments, such as verbalized Torah study that depend upon speech, nevertheless, even though speech is more spiritual than physical action, they too belong to the category of practical action. For we have an accepted halakhic principle that the movement of one's lips in speech is regarded as an act. So it's not enough to pray silently, meditate. You've got to physically, you've got to talk. You've got to move your lips. And even studying Torah, it says you shouldn't study quietly, you should move your lips and actually learn, say the words of Torah, even if, even if you're studying alone by yourself. Say the words, study the words, speak, speak, it, speak it out. So moving your lips is an action. It's not just cerebral, quiet, meditational. It's an action, physical. It's a physical action. I'm moving my lips. I'm talking. It's actually a very strange sight to the rest of the world. The first time they walk into a synagogue, it's the strangest sight. Everyone is talking to themselves. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> a whole bunch of adults talking to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the big confusion what goes on here. <laughs> But, but that's the halacha, that the, you know, it's a physical act. Continue. And even those commandments relating to thought or to the heart, such as the commandments regarding the love and awe of God, of Hashem, are also considered as physical act. For the commandments were given only to physical man in this physical world because he has the choice to turn his heart to good and so on. The soul without a body, however, need not be commanded about this. By definition, a commandment, who are you commanding? You're not commanding. Do you have to command your hand to move? You think your hand is religious? Oh, I want to move my hand. My hand obeys. Wow, what? I'm going to give my hand a prize, a medal. It listens, it obeys. I have to reward my hand. That's not a commandment. My hand is me, so I want to move. It automatically moves. A soul in heaven doesn't need a commandment. A soul in heaven is so tuned in, is so plugged in, is so connected. Of course, whatever God wants. I do. That's not a commandment. Commandment, by definition, means I'm commanding someone else. You know, if you decide to move your hand, to listen to yourself and move your hand, that doesn't make you a king. If someone else moves their hand because I asked them to move their hand, that makes me a king. So Hashem's commandment, by definition, is He's commanding a subject. He's commanding those who are separate from Him, those who are apart from Him, those who feel that they're apart from Him, those who are... And He's asking them to do the following mitzvah. So by definition, the whole commandment is to a person who is separate and apart. But the, the previous Rebbe elaborates and adds, he says, even the mitzvah that... that Spiritual mitzvah. Like he says here, love of Hashem, awe of Hashem. But the mitzvah is that you have to feel that love. It has to be physical. What does it mean? For example, you're in a terrible mood. You had a terrible day. Nothing is going right. It happens. <laughs> Too often. All of a sudden, you're walking down the street and you bump into your best friend. Surprising. Unexpected. You feel like a, a, a load off your chest. You physically feel good. You were down, you were in the blue, you were depressed. All of a sudden, you physically feel elated. You feel inspired, uplifted. 
you had this encounter with, with, with your best friend, you just bumped into him, and you haven't seen each other for a while. It physically affects you. It affects you physically. It affects you physically. So he says, the love of Hashem, just like all the mitzvot have to be physical, when you put on the tefillin, you have to feel the tefillin resting on your head, it's physical. So too the spiritual mitzvot, love of Hashem and awe of Hashem, has to affect you physically. Just like when you love your friend, your best friend, it has a physical effect on you. You can feel the difference. As a result of that love, you feel elated, uplifted, inspired, the cloud lifted. Your love of Hashem has to affect you in the same way, physically. When you know Hashem is with you, when you love Hashem, even if you have a rough day, that love carries you and you physically feel, I'm okay, it's good. So the effect of the mitzvah has to be physical. If it's just abstract, if your love for Hashem is abstract, you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah. The mitzvahs were given to human beings, as he says here, and the mitzvahs have to affect you. They have to be no less than a physical love. Just like a physical love, you feel it, it's tangible, and it matters and it makes a difference, it makes a physical difference that you can detect. So your love for Hashem has to affect you. You can tell the difference. You're in a bad mood, things not going well, but then you, f- you experience this love for Hashem and you physically feel better. I'm not alone. Hashem is with me. You feel inspired. You feel uplifted. You feel charged, rejuvenated. And I'm going forward, confidently going forward. If the love doesn't have the same effect on you, like physical love, you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah. Then it's just some delusions, abstract, spiritual, self-delusion. But if it's real, it has to physically affect you. The same effect. So all the mitzvot were given to a human being, flesh and blood, and living in this physical world, operating in this physical world, and has to affect you bodily and physically. So all the mitzvot in effect are really physical. Not only the mitzvot, the majority of mitzvot, which are physical, their actions, their deeds, you have to take this object and do this and do the other, but all the mitzvot, even the spiritual mitzvot, not only moving your lips and praying and studying Torah, but even the mitzvot to love Hashem, even that, really the, the measure, the test, the acid test is that it has a physical impact on you. So the willpower affects us physically, it reaches and connects even the physical with Hashem. Thus it follows that the commandments, metaphorically speaking, are like pillars that stand and connect from the highest levels to the supernal will to do this material world. Metaphorically speaking, they are like hollow pillars that encompass and garb without the garment of Mitzvot, man's neshama, ruach, or nefesh, when he fulfills the commandments. By way of these pillars of the mitzvot, his nefesh, ruach, and neshama ascend to the highest levels to be bound up in the bond of life with Hashem. That is, to be bound up and vested with the light of Keter, which is the supernal will of the, the highest level of the world. In a way, it's like, it's like an elevator, <laughs> an elevator shaft. It's a shaft that runs to the top of the building all the way to the cellar. How do we reach... How do we reach the top of the building? <laughs> it's called a mitzvah. Reminds me of the story of uh, this little kid, little boy, is going with his father in the Empire State Building, first time in his life. And he's watching 20, 30, 40, 50. He looks up, wide-eyed, he looks up to his father. He says, Tati, does God know that we're coming? (laughs) 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 So we start out in the cellar. And it takes us all the way to the heaven. takes us all the way to the highest. We start out in the lowest, and it takes us all the way to the highest. It surrounds us. It encompasses us. It's all encompassing. We are completely surrounded and encompassed. 
and we're uplifted. That's what the mitzvah does to us. It completely surrounds and encompasses our soul and it elevates our soul. As he said, in the, as we learned in the first part of the Tanya, chapter 4, that the soul is elevated through the mitzvah. People make a mistake. People think that the soul, the soul is what matters and the soul is the highest and the greatest. And the mitzvah are like training wheels, you know, something that beneficial to the soul. It helps the soul. He says, no, the mitzvot are much greater than the soul. Because the soul is individual, a consciousness, individual consciousness. A little slice, a little piece, an individual consciousness. The soul is very limited. The mitzvah is infinite, is unlimited. Because it's God himself. It's his will. This is what he cares about. This is him. This is who he is. It's personal. It's his whole self, his infinite self. So the mitzvah that you do is infinite. And the reason the soul is only able to be elevated when the soul does the mitzvah, when the soul performs the mitzvah, and the soul invests itself in the mitzvah. You do the mitzvah, you engage your mind and your heart and your soul into the mitzvah. You do it with feeling, with fervor, and with joy, and with intensity, and with passion, and with concentration and focus. You invest your mind and your soul faculties into the mitzvah, through that the soul is elevated. So the mitzvah encompasses the soul from the action of the soul to the feelings of the soul to the emotion, to the mental and focus of the soul, abilities of the soul. And by investing yourself into the mitzvah, doing the mitzvah properly, the soul is elevated to its highest height, touching the divine, it's touching the infinite. Only through the mitzvah. So the mitzvah is that elevator shaft, that elevator that can elevate us, encompass us, and take us from the lowest to the highest. Connecting us. That's the connector. It's the great connector. So this is the idea that the Kabbalists are trying to impart with us. That the mitzvot are keter, the mitzvot are like a crown, and they are like beams that connect the highest to the lowest. That's the power of will. That's the power of a mitzvah. So mitzvah is what connects us. You can't be a Jew if you're not doing mitzvah. Mitzvah are what connects us. It's the mitzvah. It's the will of Hashem. If you're touching the will of Hashem, you're doing the will of Hashem, that's the only way there is no other way. There is no other path. There's only one path to Hashem. It's called the Code of Jewish Law. It's called 613 Mitzvot. There is no other way. This is the connector. This is the beam. This is the elevator that, that elevates us and the soul. It's completely surrounded and elevated. And by means of this garment, they are able to behold the pleasantness of God and the pleasurable prayers which transcend the level of Keter and metaphorically speaking are its food. For example, the pleasantness of God and the pleasurable thirst are the inner core of the light of Keter, which transcends all worlds. So the ultimate reward is that we are able to able to partake and sense the pleasure of God, which is the innermost part of the will of Hashem. What motivates Hashem's will? That's Hashem's personal pleasure, which is, which is even deeper than the will. This is what motivates the will. And this, again, touches, it comes from, this is Hashem himself. And that, is that inner, that pleasure is only found in the mitzvah. It's only when you do the mitzvah, when you do the will of Hashem. In that, so when you do the will of Hashem, you have, it's contained within that will. The will is like a garment that contains within it the pleasure. So if you have the will, you already have the pleasure. It's hidden. It's concealed. You don't sense that pleasure. But it's there. And therefore, eventually, 
you will be rewarded and your soul will be able to benefit from that pleasure. That's the reward of the soul in the afterlife. That the mitzvah that you have done, you will receive, bask in the pleasure, the infinite pleasure, infinite revelation of Hashem's infinite self, personal self. You will be able to derive and benefit from that, from that pleasure. So you'll have some glimpse and some revelation, some ray of the, from, that, from that pleasure. And the ultimate reward, of course, will be after the coming of Mashiach, the world to come, and when Hashem's infinite light will be completely revealed in this world to those who kept the mitzvah. And that's why he said everyone, everyone is obligated to come into this world to fulfill all 630 mitzvot. And if you don't do it in one lifetime, spread out over many lifetimes, and uh, that's why we have to be reincarnated, which is very traumatic for the soul to go through, I have to do this over again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Make the same mistakes. Do this all over again. But it's all worth it, and we have, we have no choice. It's the only way. It's only when each and every one of our individual souls are going to fulfill all 630 mitzvot, only then will we be able to partake in the infinite revelation of Hashem's self, personal, intimate self, in the world to come, after Mashiach comes. So this is the only way. It's only by, by uh, attaching ourselves to Hashem's will and being surrounded by Hashem's will. And, and will, you can't differentiate. It has to be all 630 mitzvot. And will, you can't do 90% to 99% to 99.9%. Will has to be 100%, otherwise you've done nothing. If you do 99.9, you've done zero. In will, there's no such thing. There's no percentages. Well, I've done most of it. It doesn't work that way. I've done zero. It has to be whole, complete, 630, no less. You can't compartmentalize it. By definition, will can't be compartmentalized. Either yes or no can't be half pregnant. You are or you are. I've done what you want. I didn't do what you want. Hashem says, I want 613. Well, I only gave you 612. Very nice. I'm sorry. You're not mine. I mean, this is not, this is not what I wanted. It's not what I asked. Okay, I followed directions. I, 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 I followed 99 steps. Okay, so one step I didn't listen. The last step, instead of a right, I made a left. Okay, come on, give me a break. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Where do you end up? You end up uh, in Beiberik, Fablanjit. I'm sorry. You, you, you lost. You got nowhere. Zero. You didn't do what I asked. Very nice. Beautiful. You have every excuse in the world. You have every rationalization under the sun. But it's not what I want. It's not what I asked. So, so the only way for the soul to be able to partake in the sheer in the world to come to that infinite revelation is only when you have Hashem's will. When you're completely surrounded and your whole soul is completely surrounded and encompassed by Hashem's will. You've done all 613 mitzvot, physically and practically, you've done it. Then you have, you've done what Hashem wants of you. Then in that will is contained the pleasure of Hashem, which will be revealed. When Mashiach comes, then it will be revealed. It was explained elsewhere that the commandments are the pinning the innermost element of the supernal will, while here it is explained that they are merely the external aspect of Kedah, i.e. the external aspect of the supernal will. Elsewhere he explains that, that there are different wills. There's will and there's will. He, he explains elsewhere what's the difference. I mean, everything Hashem created, He created the world, is also His will. So what's the difference in the will of the mitzvah and the will in creation? And the explanation is just, again, the analogy of the human being. There are many things that we want, but there's external will and there's internal will. I want to wake up and go to work in the morning. Do I really want to wake up and go to work in the morning? No, but I want to wake up and go to work in the morning because what I really want is the paycheck. To get that paycheck... I know I have to do a lot of things which perhaps I don't want, prefer not to, but... And even the paycheck. Why do I want the paycheck? I want the paycheck because I want to take care of my family. I want to do this. 
I want to enjoy life, whatever I want with that money. So there's always, there's the inner will, what I really want, and as a result of that inner will, there are many other things that I want just as a means to an end, because in order to accomplish what I really want, I have to do all these other things. But I don't really want to do them. If I had a choice not to do them, I wouldn't do them. The proof is, if someone wins a lottery, does he go to work the next morning? <laughs> the only reason he went to work was to get his paycheck. He doesn't need it anymore. Goodbye. Unless that's really what he wanted. He just enjoyed, this is his whole goal in life. Then he couldn't care less. He did win, didn't win. This. I'm going to continue doing this because this is what I want. So there's external will and there's an internal will. So the whole world, the creation of the world, is like God's external will. God wants this world. He only wants this world as long as it helps him fulfill what he really wants. What does God really want? What is internal will? Mitzvah. That the Jewish people should fulfill the mitzvot and the Torah. That's what he wants. In order to fulfill this want, this desire, that's why he created the whole world. So why did God create the whole world of finance, of Wall Street, of Bloomberg and Wall Street? Because it says in the Torah you should give tzedakah. That's what he wants. But in order to give tzedakah, he created the whole universe of finance. That's not what he wants. The whole universe of finance and money and Wall Street is only there as a means to an end in order to fulfill what he truly desires, which is tzedakah. Why are there 248 limbs in the body? Because he wants us to do 248 mitzvot. Why are there 365 veins? Because he wants 365 prohibitions. So everything in the world is just the external will in order to fulfill his internal will, which is the mitzvah. So mitzvot are his internal will. And here we're saying that mitzvot are the external? That's the question that he's asking. And his answer is... Those who are deaf in the hidden wisdom, i.e. Kabbalah, are well acquainted with the multitude of aspects and levels within every aspect and level among the various levels of holiness. There are numerous aspects of face-to-face, meaning since Panim is related to Panimiyut, that relative to a particular spiritual level, another level is even more internal, or nearer to the essence, and there are numerous aspects of externality to externality, meaning the reverse, without end. Thus, relative to the internal level of the supernal will, spoken about here, mitzvot are only termed external, whereas in another context, when compared to a lower level, they are deemed the internal aspect of the supernal will. There are many different levels in comparison to the external will, the will Hashem created the world. Of course, the will for mitzvot are the internal will. And that's why He created the world accordingly. The Torah is a blueprint. Torah is not just rules and laws. Torah is the blueprint for reality. God had a vision. He desired, He wanted something. And that's, His vision was the Torah and the mitzvah. The world should look exactly the way spelled out in the Torah. All seven billion people following the seven Noahide laws. And every Jew in the world keeping 613 mitzvot. All 613 mitzvot. That was His vision. That's what He desired. In order to implement His vision... He created the whole world. So the world, this is the blueprint. The whole world matches the blueprint. There's nothing in the world that's not found in the blueprint because otherwise it would never be created. Everything that's created is in order to further and to be able to implement the vision and the will of Hashem, His blueprint, which, uh, which, is, which is His will, and that's the Torah. The Torah is the blueprint. So that's the external will versus the internal will. But here he's saying that the, the will is external in relationship to what motivates the will. What is motivates the will? We learned the other week that will and pleasure are two sides of the same coin. Will is the external expression and pleasure is the internal. Why do I want something? Because I have it. it gives me tremendous pleasure. Otherwise I wouldn't want it. I want it because it gives me a pleasure. It's a very deep pleasure. Just like the will is very deep. I want this, even though I can't explain it. And the explanations that come is almost like an excuse, a rationalization that comes after the fact. It's like a nice dressing, a nice uh, pres- presentation. 
But it's the will. It's who I am. This is me, and this is what I care about, and this is what I want. And, and, and no reasoning arguments in the world are going to sway me one way or the other. It's not the reason. That's not the foundation for the, for the will. The will is the foundation for the reason. But what's the foundation for the will? It's the pleasure. So it's the pleasure, but the pleasure is internal. The pleasure is me. It gives me pleasure. And as a result of this pleasure, this is what I want. This is what I, how I direct myself. I direct myself that I want you to do the mitzvah, and I want Hashem wants us to do the mitzvah, us physical human beings who have freedom of choice. He wants us to physically do the mitzvah, physically do, fulfill the mitzvah, and, but what's behind that? Because this gives Hashem tremendous pleasure. So when you study the Torah, or when you do the mitzvah, you actually contains within that will, you're not only connecting to Hashem's will, but you're also really connecting. Contained within that will is Hashem's pleasure. But that remains hidden. That's Hashem Himself, intimate, personal, intimate. It's not revealed to us. The will is externalized. The will is Hashem wants someone else to do something, wants us to do something. So we're doing the mitzvah. That we can do. That we can do today. Even if there's no revelation. Just knowing what Hashem wants of us. We can go ahead and do and act. But contained within that is the pleasure and even though we don't have the revelation of that today, but it's all there. And it will be revealed. If we do the mitzvah, it will be revealed. Once we do all 613 mitzvah, Mashiach comes, it will be revealed to us. This infinite light of Hashem, this infinite self, Hashem's infinite self, will be totally revealed to us. Because we'll have the garment with which to receive it as well. So it's the will that connects us, it's the will that, but it's the will that also enables us to receive this pleasure. It's like you can't look at the light of the sun directly, but you can look at it with a, with a, a covered glass or whatever, a shaded glass, you can, you can receive it. So it's the mitzvah itself which also gives us the garment, provides for us with the garment, provides the soul with the garment, that we can look at this light be dazzled by this light without being destroyed by this light because it's a, it's, a, it's a revelation of Hashem's infinite self we're finite the soul can't handle it but the mitzvah also like the shade that allows us a garment that allows us to receive and absorb this light without being destroyed otherwise the soul would be completely destroyed when Mashiach comes those Jews who did not keep the mitzvah amongst all their lifetimes the soul just will not be able to handle this infinite revelation. The soul can't handle it. The revelation of God's pleasure. This is God. Pleasure is personal. This is God himself, his infinite self. No soul in the world can handle it. It's only the souls that have kept all 613 mitzvot amongst all of our lifetimes. We will have the ability to receive and absorb this light without being destroyed by it. So it all comes back to the mitzvah. There's no other way. This is what it's all about. This is the ultimate goal. This is what Hashem wanted. This is the ultimate purpose. And this is the ultimate reward. And this is what enables us to be able to receive this tremendous reward. So it's all about the mitzvah. And uh, it lights a fire in us. It motivates you. You want to do the mitzvah. And you want to do it enthusiastically, passionately. Be excited about doing mitzvah. This is the whole purpose of creation. This is the whole purpose of the soul. So it's not just duties. I'm duty-bound and I have no choice. This is something I want to do. This is what it's all about. This is the whole purpose. So I'm busy with other things. What am I busy with? Get busy with this? There's nothing else. This is it. What are, you, what, are you, what are we getting distracted for? This is it. The will of Hashem. The 613 mitzvah. The code of Jewish law. This is, this is it. The Mittler Rebbe, the son of the author, second Lubavitcher Rebbe. 
used to travel to visit his Hasidim in different cities. It was very difficult then for the Hasidim to come to the Rebbe. So many times he would travel around. And this is in Russia, and it was the winter, and it was cold, and he was on the road the whole day, and he hadn't eaten, and he didn't sleep and drink or eat. And, and they stopped at the inn, they came to the town of the inn, he was so exhausted. But he ran, jumped off the wagon, ran to the bookshelf, took out a code of Jewish law, took it out, and he says, Ah, the will of Hashem, the divine will. This is what Hashem cares about. This is Hashem. This is it. And he forgot about his hunger. forgot how tired he was, how exhausted he was. He was wiped out. All night, he just was lost, absorbed in the code of Jewish law, studying, studying. So when you understand how precious, how precious it is, the will of Hashem, the will of Hashem, and the mitzvot, and the halacha, this is, this is where it's at. This is what it's all about. There's nothing else. This is it. Meditation, spirituality, this is it. The will of Hashem. This is Hashem. You have to keep your eye on the, uh, keep your eye on the ball. Don't get distracted. With... Okay, now he asked the question he's going to ask. He said the whole explanation is based on the idea that keter, a crown, is numerical value of 620. Keter, kaf, 20, kaf. Tough is 400, resh is 200. And this is the, represents the will of Hashem, which is the keter, the crown that transcends, and this is, these are the beams that connect the highest to the lowest. But the question is, there are 613 mitzvah, not 620 mitzvah. So where do we come up with the number? 620. The Alta Rebbe called the commandments the 620 pillars of light of Ketan. How does this agree with his previous statement that the 613 garments of the mitzvot correspond to the 613 soul powers? The Alta Rebbe now answers that the seven commandments of the sages, which bring the total of the 620, are not self-sufficient mitzvot, but are branches of the scriptural commandments from which they respectively derive. The soul thus has 613 garments that derive from the 613 commandments. The rabbinic mitzvah included. These garments garb the 613 powers of the soul. Now the seven precepts of the sages are not counted as commandments in themselves, for it has been said, you shall not add to the commandments. Right, there are two mitzvot. Two of the 613 mitzvot are... You're not, allowed to detra- you're not allowed to detract from the mitzvot. You have to do 613 and not do 612. You're not allowed to add. 613, not 614. What's the big deal? Why shouldn't I add? It's, why? I want to make it better. No, no. Don't, don't, don't subtract and don't add. You're not doing anyone any favor. Because what happens is when you add, eventually you end up subtracting. It is perfect. Mitzvot are perfect. Don't embellish it and don't minimize, diminish it. Perfect. 248 limbs, 365 veins. It's perfect. It's, not, it's this and not that, not on the other, not more, not less. Precise. So the mitzvah, the rabbinic mitzvah, how, how is it that the rabbinic mitzvah are not violating this mitzvah? You're adding mitzvah. The Torah says don't add. Not a lot to add. And yet the rabbis added mitzvot. We read the Megillah. We light the Hanukkah candles. It's not a mitzvah in the Torah. The Torah doesn't say anywhere you have to light Hanukkah candles. The Torah doesn't say anywhere you read the Megillah. Or you say a halal. Or you wash your hands and you make alatil at yadayim. All these mitzvot are rabbinic mitzvot. So are, why, how, why aren't we violating the prohibition of thou shalt not add to the mitzvot? So Maimonides explained, the rabbis never said that the Torah obligates us to do these mitzvot. Then it would be adding. Then it would be a violation. The rabbis say the Torah does not obligate us. The Torah only obligates us 613, period. The rabbis said, we are saying, in order to enhance the Torah, in order to beautify the Torah, in order to make a fence around the Torah, in order to 
express our gratitude for the miracles that Hashem is doing, to continue what the Torah is saying, we are saying that you should do the mitzvah. Not that God is saying you should do the mitzvah. Then you would be in violation of this prohibition. So it's only here as an extension to enhance the Torah. It's an expression, extension of, of Hashem. We're not adding anything. So that's what he's saying. They derive from the mitzvah, but they're not, so really you have 613. There are, there are no more. And that's why the soul has to come down to this world to keep all 613, not 614, not 612. Will has to be precise. Precise works both ways. Don't do more than I asked you and don't do less than I asked Again, it's a very, very powerful point because in the, in the Chumash we find many times it says that God commanded Moshe to do this, he commanded Aaron to do this, and Aaron did exactly what he did. And Rashi says to teach us, he didn't add, he didn't subtract, he didn't add, he didn't do less, he didn't do more. What's the big deal if he didn't do more? And if he did do more, what's so terrible? The answer is will. We discuss this. Will, the whole point that when you talk about will, it's you. It's like a relationship. It's about you. Is this about me or is this about you? If it's about me, well, I want to embellish. I get carried away. Lord, get me high. It's not about you, God. It's about me. I, I enjoy this. I love this. And then, you know what? It's interesting. Those who have that attitude, they play with halacha. Halacha is like, well, it's malleable. It's flexible. Don't get so good. hung up. It's not so precise. It's the feeling that matters. It's the emotions, the mystical, the intent. Uh, we can brush halacha away. It's not so important. Those who have this attitude miss the whole point. They don't get it. They have zero. They don't understand anything. Then your religion is an ego trip. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do, it's you. Will means it's about you. It's not about me. It's a marriage, it's a relationship. What do you want? I'm taking you out to your favorite place, not my favorite place. It's about you, it's not about me. Forget about yourself. So if it's about me, this is what I want. Don't give me more, don't give me less. Did I ask for this? Did I want this? Why? why oh, no, but I want... Excuse me. <laughs> is this about yourself or is it about me? Hashem says, this is what I want. 613, I didn't ask for 614. No, thank you. Just like if you do 612, you have nothing. If you do 614, you have nothing. Hashem says it's very nice. You make your own religion. Very nice. don't, don't, don't call it Judaism. <laughs> you know, it's very nice. You want to start your own religion. It's a free country. You're an American. You have rights. But don't call it Judaism. That's not what I want. That's not what I said. That's not what... I said 613. No, 612. Really? No, oh, but 614. It's precise. This is what I want. Not more, not less. That's what the Torah is saying. Aaron didn't change. He did exactly what Hashem wanted. He didn't do more. He didn't do less because it's not about me. It's so easy to get carried away in ecstasy and mysticism and, and you start playing loose. Well, halacha, well, come on. You know, it's not. Then you know you have nothing to do with Judaism. Nothing to do with Torah, nothing to do with Hashem. I mean, it's nothing. It's delusional mysticism, spirituality. It's not Hashem. It's not Hashem's will. It's not Hashem. It's not divine. It's not godly. You're wasting your time. You're doing nothing. Totally delusional. Spirituality could be the ultimate ego trip. Nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with anything. When you forget about yourself, are you ready to forget about yourself and do what I want? <laughs> Hashem says... You want to connect with me? This is me. You want something else? It's not me. I don't know, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're in. You could, your eyes are closed and you're meditating nine hours a day. It's very nice, but it has nothing to do with me. You want to do what I want? Or you're not doing what I want? So you don't add and you don't subtract. The rabbis didn't come to add to the mitzvot. The rabbis came to make a fence around the mitzvah. To help us. Enable us to fulfill the 613 mitzvot. So they added these mitzvot not to say that 
God wants us. No, they say clearly, God only wants 613. We are selling. We adding. In order for us to be able to fulfill the 613 mitzvahs properly, we are adding these mitzvah to enhance, to en- enable us to fulfill the 613 mitzvah properly. That's a whole different story. So the seven mitzvot are a, an extension, a continuation of the 613. They're not adding. Not a new religion. There's only 613. It's perfect. Not more, not less. We're just adding to make sure that we do for the 613. To guarantee the 613, we're adding all these other mitzvot. Rather, they derive and issue from the commandments of the Torah and are included in them in the sum of 613 commandments which guard the 613 aspects and powers in the Nefesh Ruach and the Shama of Man. It was previously stated that the mitzvot are like 613 hollow pillars that encompass and guard the Neshama or Ruach or Nefesh of the individual who forms the commandments. It is through these pillars that the soul rises to the greatest heights and is bound up in the radiance of Keter. Additionally, it is through the garment of the mitzvot that the soul is able to behold the pleasantness of Hashem and to experience the pleasurable thirst that transcends even the pneumio of... So we'll stop here. Next week, please, God, we'll continue. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.